Welcome back, everybody. This is the Things Christians Want to Know podcast, and I am Nate Johnstone. And I am Paul Anderson. So there you go. That's us. <laughs> and we know who we are, and yes. we're pretty confident of that. We're going to talk about some guys today that we're not as confident about. We don't know as much as maybe we think we do. So... I don't know what time of year you're listening to this. doesn't matter because no matter what time of year it is, you have heard of the wise men, the magi, we three kings from Orient, which is a word we're not supposed to say anymore, but somehow it's still okay in the song. Um, we're going to talk about those cats from Matthew chapter 2. If you got a Bible or if you've memorized the Bible, turn in your memory to Matthew 2, and we are going to talk about this. We're going to do it a little differently than we usually do. Um, we're just going to kind of go through the passage really, really slowly <laughs> over the period yeah. of a month, <laughs> um, pausing to talk about things as we go. I don't think these guys are who we think they are or who most people have thought they were. I agree. Okay, that's the, that's the teaser. Why don't, why don't we just read the first verse at least? Got to get one verse in, probably. So we are at... Matthew 2, verse 1. Paul, do you want to read that? Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Okay. there's all, Actually, we could probably do most of today on that one verse. So, second word, after. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So, this takes place after the birth story. And mm -hmm. that right there is different than most, how most people think of the wise men. You know, I grew up with We Three Kings, right? Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about the kings aspect in a minute. But when you, even when you look at nativity sets, you see Mary, Joseph, baby. There's usually an angel hovering or lurking. And then you see shepherds and sheep and maybe other animals. Which animals are there depends on your denominational persuasion, probably. I like to think there was an elephant, because I like elephants, but um, probably not. But there's usually kings there, too, right? These guys, wise men, represented as kings. Um, I don't think that was the case. What do you think, Paul? I do not either think that was the case. When you, when you hear the word wise men, then you want to go and find out, do we have anything in the scriptures about wise men? And you back up, and you find yourself in Daniel, as you know, where Daniel himself was trained in school, three, three years in graduate school, to become a wise man. Yes. <clears throat> so the word he uses here, the word Matthew uses for wise men, it, remember, when we're, we're looking at the scriptures, when you read the word wise men, you got to think about the audience Matthew intended. And I agree that when the first century audience, Matthew's intended Jewish audience in particular, so he's writing to the first century Jews. When they read wise men, they are going to immediately think about one group of guys. And that was the wise men from Daniel. Mm -hmm. So that whole story of the people in the Babylonian captivity and Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, were there as well. And in that story, you have these wise men who were professional magicians astrologers, occultists, we might call them today. They dealt in actual magic, black magic, reading the stars, all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. to try to find the future, to try to sort out facts, to try to control other people, manipulate other people, that sort of thing. And that's who those magi were. 
And they were the bad guys in the story, right? They're the villains. They are set up in the story of Daniel as the direct and exact antithesis of a prophet of God. A prophet of God was put up against the false prophet, you might want to say, of the magi, the wise men. Daniel was the true, they were the false. And they're the villains. They're bad. They're trying to kill Daniel. They're, they're not the guys you like in the story when you read about Daniel. And even Nebuchadnezzar didn't like him. He no. wanted to take him out because he could see that they were not honest with him. Yeah, and that they were after their own gains, their yes. own ends, manipulating things for their own wealth, maybe, their own power, their own prestige. And if you look at um, historical documents, that's sort of the the reputation wise men had everywhere. Because we see wise men in other places. We see them in Egypt. Mm -hmm. That was probably the first time we see them in the scriptures. Also the bad guys of the story. Occultists. Occultists. Um, they were advisors, yes, but... Their role wasn't political as much as it was spiritual. Mm -hmm. um, and But they had a lot of sway in society. And if you look at the story in Babylon with Daniel, they had a lot of control. They had a lot of influence. Mm -hmm. um, I, think, I think of Daniel as a story of influence. Who are you going to allow yourself to be influenced by God or these other voices? And Nebuchadnezzar chose the other voices. And eventually he gets a change of heart, and chooses to listen to Daniel. After he goes mad for yeah. seven years. Fairly, fairly extreme method, right, of yeah. getting someone to come around to your point of view. And it's interesting that Nebuchadnezzar <clears throat> could sense something was foul with them, yeah. and so he tricked them and said, not only do I want to hear the interpretation of the dream, I want you to tell me the dream. Right. So to me, I always <laughs> like that story because that story says to me that he's told them dreams before and felt like they were giving him a bunch of bunk. Yes. yes. And he's like, tell you what, you tell me what my dream was <laughs> and then tell me what it means. Mm -hmm. Which is like, what? <laughs> yes. How, how do, that's how a do you new do that? level of wisdom. Yeah. It's hard to fake that one. Yes. And I think that's, that's another one of the uh, stereotypes that, wise men had, if you look at, you know, historical documents and stuff, is some of them were charlatans. Yes. Um, and others were authentic. And if you look at the story of Moses, those guys threw down sticks and they turned into snakes. So there's some actual power there. They weren't just fakers. Mm -hmm. um, well, occult power. It was a power from yes, the underworld. absolutely. Occult yeah. power. We would call it demonic power. Yes. Um, but it was actual power. Illegitimate in the sense of being of the dark side instead yes. of from God, but it was actual power. Um, and so these wise men, they were important figures in the, in the Old Testament, in the story of Daniel, but always villains. The, the wise men represented something that was contrary and counter to, actively counter to Yahweh and the people who followed him. And so when Matthew uses that word here, in Matthew 2, verse 1, and says that, hey, there were wise men from the east, and they came to Jerusalem. The audience is, like, really confused. They assume these are bad guys. Oh, no. Oh, no, the wise men are coming. This is not good, right? This has to be bad. That's going to, I think, I mean, obviously, I'm guessing here, but I think that's going to be the natural response of the reader mm -hmm. from a first century Jewish perspective. What do you think? I like that. I actually haven't heard that before, but I think it's, it could be true. Yeah, so because they were always the bad guys. And so you assume they're the bad guys sure. when they show up. You know, yeah. like if I'm going to tell you a story about Lex Luthor, you're going to assume that in that story, Lex Luthor is a bad guy. Lex Luthor was the uh, 
adversary of Superman, for those of you who don't know, um, a supervillain. We have a supervillain in this story, actually. Yes. We have a Lex Luthor in this story, but it's not the wise men. Surprise, surprise. And that's a big, uh, this whole story in, in Matthew 2 is just so great. It's just, it's a really, really good story. So they expect the wise men to be the bad guys. They came to Jerusalem. Why? Why are they coming to Jerusalem? Um, dot, dot, dot. We'll find out next week on what's going on in Jerusalem. Okay, so, but there's so much more here in verse 2, Paul. Let's look at this. So we talked about the word after, after Jesus was born. So are you in agreement that this happens after the birth story? They're not in the nativity scene at the beginning. They don't show up on the first night like they do in all the songs. That's right. They, they never saw that uh, manger scene out back because they came months or years later. Two words tell us that, that the babe is now a child. They call him a child in yep. the Greek, and they come to a house, not to a cave or not to a, a manger place, not, not to a stable. So things have changed for yep. the Holy Family. Yep. They are in a house. So this is after. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So all that stuff that you read about in Luke, this is after all that stuff. At least months. It, I, I think it's safe to say months, um, but we don't know for sure. And, and I want to make that clear. We are making educated guesses here. Yes. But it does say after. So I think it's pretty clear that it's after that. It does call him a child and not an infant. And Matthew Matthew is very specific about his word choices, so that matters. And we know that when they're coming from the east, whether that's Babylon, I think it's Babylon too, by the way, or Susha, uh, where the Persian Empire found its center, which would have been even a longer trip, 800 miles from Babylon to Jerusalem by foot. They didn't come on camels, folks. Most likely they're, they're coming on foot. Most likely. Could have. I don't know. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. So it's a long, it's a long walk. It's a long ride. Yeah. It's eight, it could be four months, five months. And amazing then that they came, they saw, and they left. Most of that trip was traveling and a few moments with Christ, but it meant everything in the world to them. And I think we'll meet him in heaven. By the mm-hmm. way. So... Yeah, it's, it's a really amazing story. So they come from the east. Let's talk about that a little more. That's all it says. We, it says wise men from the east. There's a lot of things east of Jerusalem. Yeah. <laughs> like almost the whole world. Okay. Mm-hmm. So where are these guys from? And it says wise men, not kings. This, this idea of them being kings, I don't know for sure where it comes from. I think it's because they give kingly gifts. I think so. Um, they give very valuable kingly gifts, including gold, which was given to kings. Uh, so so I'm guessing that's where this idea comes from. Or maybe somebody wrote a cute story or song about it way back in the day, and we just kind of got this idea that they're kings. But it doesn't call them kings anywhere. It just calls them wise men. These were working men. These were guys that had a job. They worked for someone. Wise men typically worked for a king or an emperor. Um, but they're from the east. Now, I already hinted to this, but because they Matthew uses the word wise men, I think the reader is automatically going to assume they're from Babylon or somewhere in what used to be the Babylonian Empire, then the Persian Empire. Now it's called the Parthian Empire. And this empire ranged from basically right at the edge of Israel all the way east to India. So everything in between Israel and India, and even part of, part of what would be Pakistan today, uh, was... 
part of the Parthian Empire. They didn't have the Arabian Desert to the south because nobody wanted that. That's nomad's land. And they didn't have Armenia to the north. That's where Parthian and Roman Empire thought for over 200 years is in this air, that area up north uh, for who had control. But this was the enemy empire of the Rome. So it's two superpowers. So, folks, you're listening now to a man who studied ancient history in college. He's not reading his notes. He's picking this up out of his head. Yes, I was an ancient studies major um, and a religion major and pre-med. I was busy. Um, (laughs) But so you have these two superpowers, the Parthian Empire, the Roman Empire. And the wise men come from the east. So although we can't say for sure they were part of the Parthian Empire, they could have been further east. They could have been from China. Um, I doubt it personally. And again, we're guessing here. We don't know. But because he uses the word wise men, that's wise men is it's not just a descriptive word. I would argue that the use of wise men here in this passage is basically a title. Mm-hmm. He's I'm giving you. he's giving these folks a title. These are wise men. That's who they are. And though when you read wise men, you automatically go Babylon. You automatically mm-hmm. go somewhere in the Parthian Empire. Babylon was still the, the scholarly hub of mm-hmm. the Parthian Empire. Um, both and they had Jewish studies. They did. They did. So that's a, which is an interesting thing. Um, and so you have, during the captivity, Daniel was there. They fought back and forth. And these wise men were historically collectors of religious interestingness. Yes, that's a technical term that I just made <laughs> up. Um, collectors of religious interestingness um, and power. These guys wanted power. And so if they thought that there was power in anything, they would go for it. So it was syncretistic, um, which means merging together of different religions and different ideas, um, but all for the, su- for the purpose of self-service. So wise men were notorious for putting different religious symbols all over their um, outfits, for example. So they might have uh, a symbol from Zoroastrianism. They might have a symbol from Jewish tradition. They might have the Star of David on them. All this different stuff. That was common for wise men because they like to be seen as we have all knowledge and all power. And you can't find anybody anywhere who knows more or can do more than us. That's the air they like to put out. And so... But it was all fake <laughs> because they just want, they were just self, self-pleasing. But the Daniel story is so interesting because something else happens to them. Yes. Which is why I love that story so much. Oh my. They are put in their place. Yes. Because as it turns out, Yahweh's real mm-hmm. and he has legit power. And legit wisdom that yes. you can gain by prayer and humility. Yep. And Nebuchadnezzar and... Darius after him, they recognized the true wisdom when they saw it. They did. Ultimately. Took him a while. (laughs) Took him a while. Ultimate power does corrupt. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, sometimes it takes people a while to see past themselves. Seven years eating grass apparently is what Nebuchadnezzar needed. That seems like an extreme amount of time, but hey, he was the ruler of most of the world. So that's a lot of pride to break down, right? And at the end of that... He shows such humility. I conjecture this, but I think we'll meet him in heaven. It sounds it's, it's like possible. He was con- the way he, he talks, converted. the way Nebuchadnezzar talks, and you can see this in Daniel 10. I don't You'll have to read the whole book and find it. Um, but you see it, the way he talks. Now, he is a politician. And so I, I've read it both ways. The, the way Nebuchadnezzar talks, he could just be saying what he thinks Daniel wants him to hear or saying what he thinks Yahweh wants him to hear so that he appears contrite so that God will stop smiting him. Or he could be genuine. I go either way. I tend to be skeptical about anyone in politics. Um, so, but that's my own issue. Um, so that's me reading into the scriptures. And we do have to be careful of that. When we read the scriptures, we have to realize that we are biased. As impartial as you think you might be, you're not. 
You're totally can just, biased. Can I just read a little section of that? Read it. Where is it? Uh, at the end of Daniel 4, actually. At hmm. the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now, here's the pronouncement. I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven for all his works are right and his ways are just and those who walk in pride he is able to humble Mm -hmm. so those are from experience he speaks from experience and those are true things he's saying and the king of heaven phrase is very interesting because that is something that nebuchadnezzar used about himself okay those those emperors they called themselves the king of heaven Mm -hmm. and so he is now referring to yahweh as king of heaven Mm -hmm. which is a, a very humble thing to do in the presence of other people um, in particular, so I hope we it, meet him. It could be genuine. I, ho- I hope so too. I think it'd be. I think it'd be a very interesting guy to meet. As an ancient <laughs> studies nerd, I would certainly really. It, it, does your beard? Is it really long and cool and braided like it is in all the uh, stonework? Um, that's my main thing I want to know. Um, so because of that story that happens in Daniel. And because Daniel whooped up on those wise men, (laughs) they threw him in a lion's den and the lions didn't touch him. I mean, we're talking about a lot of miracles here. And because of that, the people in Babylon changed their viewpoint on these slaves that they had taken and on their God. And they said, hmm, there's something real here. There's something legit here. At the very least, we need to take some of this wisdom because it's useful. And so from that moment on in Babylon, the Hebrew scriptures were studied. Yes. By the religious people of Babylon, by the wise men. And they kept Daniel's prophecies. And there there are some scholars that believe that they have more of Daniel's prophecies than we even have in the Bible, that they kept some that they thought were special for themselves. But uh, what, what we know for sure is that they saw Daniel's God as being real, important, possibly even someone that needs to be followed and listened to. And so they added the Hebrew scriptures to their big old cluster of holy works. And so these wise men that we read about now, fast forward hundreds of years to Matthew 2, these wise men have been versed in the Hebrew scriptures. They have studied them as part of all the other holy works that they study. And so when the star appears, they know where to go to look for it in their holy writings. And that is in the Hebrew scriptures. Mm-hmm. So that is why they notice the star and they know where to go. I'm learning some things here today. I like this. Good. Keep, keep talking. I'll interrupt you when I think I've got something to say. Well, you know, podcasts should be about learning, right? Yeah. And so I, I say all that to say that the wise men, you know, Matthew, Matthew uses that term. So we think bad guys, we think enemies of Yahweh. So why do they know anything about the Hebrew scriptures? Why would they think this was a Hebrew Messiah? And that's why they, they had been studying it since Daniel put them in their place. Um, and that doesn't mean that they follow Yahweh at all. They're still, in my opinion, they, these are still pagan wise men. They do not worship God, our God at all. Um, which brings up the question we're going to talk about next week, which is these pagan wise men from probably Babylon, astrologers, occultists, magicians, bad guys. These are things that the Old Testament calls abominations. You're supposed to stone them. You're supposed to kill them. Thou shalt not suffer a sorcerer to live, is what it says in the Old Testament. That's who they are. Why on earth do they go all the way to Jerusalem and worship the Hebrew Messiah? It makes no sense. It's astounding. It really, really is. And we're going to talk about that next week. Okay. That that was a commercial. I can't wait. Teaser trailer. (laughs) I'll be there. Just hit the next button on your podcast list. (laughs) Mm.
All right. See you next week. That is it for this episode of Things Christians Want to Know. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to questions at tcwkcast.com. We publish every Thursday. So tell your friends and please rate us on iTunes. That's really helpful for us. Additional information, including links to Nate's blog, Paul's blog, etc., can be found on tcwkcast.com. God bless.